And welcome to the happy half hour again, my friends. I am Darren Gant. We are going to talk many things Carolina Panthers, less about the football, more about the news of the week, which obviously if you're following Panthers.com in this team, you are well aware by this point that training camp is going to be in Charlotte next year. So long to our friends in Spartanburg. They have been delightful. I am reminded of a time when Eric Davis, former Panthers cornerback, once looked at me and said, no offense to the Spartanburgians and the Woffordites, but it's time to go home. Um, And it's been lovely. I have always been a proponent of the idea of training camp and the idea of getting away, getting to know your staff, having a bonding experience, sequestering yourself away from the world and doing the football or doing the content as we do. But at the same time, I don't have to move all the stuff. So I I think when you think about the Panthers heading to Spartanburg, that was a monumental effort. The equipment staff, the IT, the training room, all the the stuff that has to go with a football team to a place for two and a half weeks in the summer is a mammoth undertaking. And I think just in terms of streamlining the football operation – you know, some of this is going to be helpful. You know, Chris Tabor was asked about it. I, I laugh when Tabes, as an interim head coach, gets asked about long-term franchise decisions like moving training camp. Tabes are like, well, I don't know. I kind of like Spartanburg, but at the same time, I understand there's advantage to doing it here. So that's kind of all an interim coach can say on that point. But the thing I can tell you is that as a, you know, from an organizational standpoint, this puts the Panthers in line with most of the league. They were one of only six teams last year to go away from their facility uh, to train for a training camp, and training camp lasted about two and a half weeks. You're talking about 12 practices, uh, including the back-to-football practice and the Fan Fest, which was back here. And if you read our report on Panthers.com about the transition, you will know that Fan Fest is now going to live somewhere in the state of South Carolina details to be announced at a later date but I think it's the thing that people you know down there will still have a lot of access to this team and there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of South Carolinians to participate in this thing but you know reality is the business of the NFL is such that camps go back to team facilities and that is how you know the the business is getting done this time of year so at any rate Camp is no longer in Spartanburg. I will miss taking pictures of the giant peach. I know Podcast Matt is a big fan of the peachoid in Gaffney, South Carolina. And, you know, let's be honest. I'm probably still going to drive down there the night before training camp, take a picture of it, post it on the social medias, and then go to training camp anyway, just as I've always done. So, you know, I know the people have gotten used to that kind of stuff. And I know, you know, I do it for the people. So I will make sure to continue to post the content that people want when it's time for training camp. Speaking of things people have gotten used to, the last couple of weeks here on the Happy Half Hour, we have gone off menu a little bit. Instead of just me yelling at the sky for 30 minutes because nobody needs that, I have taken my portable recorder. I feel like Al Franken in the Saturday Night Live days had the 2.3 meter parabolic dish that uh, he would do live satellite interviews. I have a portable recorder that I've been entrusted with by the fine broadcast staff here and I am walking around the building talking to people, support staffers who make this train keep rolling and this week I visited with someone who has been among the busiest of the staffers with the Carolina Panthers this year. I stopped and talked to 
assistant athletic trainer, Karen Oshwea. And Karen has an interesting backstory of her own. And given all the injuries the Carolina Panthers have dealt with this season, has been among the busiest people in the building. So I was very grateful that she took a couple minutes and allowed us to catch up. Here's our conversation with Karen. All right. As promised, I am here with Carolina Panthers assistant athletic trainer, Karen Oshwea. Karen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I've told people through the three weeks we've been doing this as kind of a feature inside the happy half hour that I wanted to kind of go around the building, take people behind the scenes at some of the people who not only have important functions here for the football team, but also breathe a little life into the building and keep things up when things are tough as they are this year. So I wanted to come talk to you in particular because I think the training room with everything that's going on and it's just first and foremost, let me say this is all bad luck, you know. A lot of these injuries I know people worry about, but it's like some of these things you can't control. And you guys in your role of taking care of these football players are dealing with bad luck and all these circumstances, but you manage to keep these guys afloat too in addition to keeping them well. How do you do that? One day at a time. <laughs> I think I think that's maybe a cop-out, but, you know, we – establish relationships with these players and even before they're injured you know we're talking to them we're getting to know them and work on routines and establishing you know maintenance care so that they can stay on the field and obviously that doesn't always happen it's football there's a reason there's so many of us there's Mm -hmm. a reason that athletic training is kind of known for football because injuries are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not an injury list team out, injury list team out there, right? And so, but when that injury happens, it's also helpful to know the guy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when a guy comes in and gets injured right away, but quite often maybe they, we've known them, they've been around. Mm-hmm. So we have that, you know, that bond already, we want to help them get better and you know then again see them consistently to get them back on the field right if you had in your capacity in this job if you had to divide it uh, what percentage of your job is medical professional and what part of it is counselor confessor you know someone who's talking these guys through this as much as treating them for these injuries probably 75 25 i mean Mm -hmm. it's definitely more the nuance of, you know, what exercises do we need to do? What treatments do we need to do? You know, what do we want to do in the pool and things like that? And then we have resources here that we lean on if it goes beyond our, you know, expertise, if you will. You know, I'm not a clinical psychologist. We have one, we have one in the building and she's great. And so we lean on her when it goes beyond that, you know, normal conversation, right? But it absolutely is, you know, the time of injury is hard dealing with, needing to go on to injury reserve mm-hmm. or even missing a game or missing a practice, every situation's different and every, you know, guy you respond to differently too. Mm-hmm. Kevin King, our head athletic trainer here, has told me that even though the high-profile guys and the stars of the team tend to get the most attention outside the building, a lot of times for you guys, it's more rewarding to see some of the practice squad guys or or guys who aren't household names kind of make those recoveries and get well because a lot of times for them being well is the difference between being employed and unemployed isn't it yes 
availability is important and being able to do their job and their job is being on the field. And mm-hmm. so helping those guys, if they are injured, getting back onto the field and, and taking that next step for them in their career, if it's here or elsewhere, is really important. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about you and how long you've been here. You've been with the Carolina Panthers since? 2021. And since you've been here, probably what's the most unusual thing you've learned about this situation or this city or this team? Or or what's the thing that's kind of jumped out at you about this operation? Hmm, That's a tough question. I think... I worked football in grad school, mm-hmm. and then I, I left I left football and did a new, some other sports for a while. And so getting back into football and just remi- remembering how big of a team sport it is. Mm-hmm. And it takes all different guys from all different walks of life and all different um, body types even, right, to, to be effective and to do the job. Mm-hmm. And just that, rem- you know, seeing that again being back in it and how they work together and how you know it's the common goal and to to put the best product right to push the best mm-hmm. plays on the field and, and perform and how they all kind of all the puzzle pieces have to go together right now you mentioned different body sizes it's a completely different science for a 325 pound offensive lineman than for a 185 pound receiver isn't it yes absolutely and it and it requires you know different exercises different techniques different field work all of it from from when the injury happens to when they get get back onto the field again too. Mm-hmm. which one's easier it's just different <laughs> i mean physically it's easier for me to lift a running back's leg than a lineman's leg but right. you just like luckily we have these tables that go up and down so mm-hmm. we figure it out all right. Who's the most difficult guy you have to work with on a daily basis? And it's okay for you to say that the correct answer is Shaq Thompson. <laughs> I don't work with Shaq that much. It's kind of a bummer. See, Shaq gives everybody a hard time. So I, I walk past this room and he's like, what are you doing there? You know, so I'm used to Shaq. I feel like Shaq gives that to everybody. So I was I was giving you the opportunity to just make him the scapegoat for that <laughs> right now. But uh, in, in all seriousness, though it, are there guys who you've worked with closely who you you're really gratified by seeing them well or who make your job easier absolutely I think that when a guy shows up with a positive attitude it makes our job a little bit easier but we can't expect them to always show up mm-hmm. happy to be here especially right. if they're injured and that's where you know you alluded to it right but we have to you know kind of be that bright spot encouragement and, you know, I think about, you know, what can I do? I can't make your injury go away. I don't have mm-hmm. a magic bullet or a magic right. uh, gun or anything like that, right? Like to, to make it instantly better. But if through our interaction, you know, your mood gets a little bit better, then, you know, maybe your stress level goes down. Mm-hmm. And so we, we take those steps towards, towards healing and getting back onto the field. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think that there are players that, that struggle being injured more than others mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And they're all coming from different, you know, experiences, either being injured before or not injured before. And that, that shades how they respond to a new injury. Right. Cause if a guy comes to see you, it's because something's gone wrong. Very few people just stop by the athletic training room because it's a cool place to hang out. Although it is a very cool place to hang out. Well, we tell them they can come visit us even when they're not injured. And some do. Some take us up on it. You know, we do recovery treatments and, again, that maintenance care to help keep guys on the field. But 
yes, typically they're injured. Yeah, and which colors the entire process. I mean, and that's why I think I'm fascinated by the way you guys have to talk these guys through stuff while rehabbing them also because, you know, they are walking in the door with something pretty heavy on their mind. Their bodies are their livelihood. So if they're in here, it's usually because something's gone wrong and they're working on it. So I, I, I respect completely the way you guys have to work on both sides of these guys every day. So you mentioned working in another sport. Prior to football, you were working in? Most recently, U.S. speed skating, so short track speed skating. All right, so what's a short short track speed skating injury? I mean, I feel like that's a big chafing sport. What what are we dealing with here in short track speed skating? A lot more overuse. So if you're familiar with the sport, it's kind of in this hunched over position and they're going as fast as they can on the ice, Mm -hmm. right? So knees, low backs, wear and tear. And then it's also a little bit of a collision sport when they crash. So Mm -hmm. you get concussions, you get fractures, you get lacerations just not as common. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here making chafing jokes. There's a lot of serious stuff. I mean, I see this during the Olympics every four years. That is the extent of my knowledge of short track speed skating. I think Apollo Ono was on a commercial or two, and I'm aware of him. But beyond that, it's something we see every four years. But that's serious stuff. It is, and it, and it can be. They go 30 plus miles per hour right next to each other and sometimes they make contact and go into the boards together and it can be dangerous all right i'm not trying to violate anybody's hippo rights or anything but do people ever get cut with those blades i mean the blades have to be super sharp laceration has to be a pretty big risk here too right absolutely so i seen a few when i was working the sport um Probably the most significant was when a blade broke and got kicked up into another skater's face and cut her chin. So that, ah. was, not, that was not awesome. Um, they wear cut-resistant suits, so that helps with the lacerations and things like that, but they're not cut-proof. Cut-resistant suits. So they're wearing Kevlar out there? Yes. I did not know that. How would, how would, A, how would one know that? But, you know, the suits, they're also basically the materials are designed to make the, I don't know, friction less, for lack of a better word. Yes. So aerodynamic, you know, they don't want a lot of drag from the suit. So it's, it's, you know, close to the skin, not a lot of extra material. And so dialing that in takes some engineering and not something I had to deal with at all but yeah i'm still kind of cringing at the thought of blade breaking and flying into someone's face i mean that's yeah luckily that only happened the one time that i saw but they're very very sharp now in general are speed skaters tougher than football players or less tougher don't worry i won't tell shaq thompson the answer to this (laughs) they're just different sports yeah you know they hurt i think differently but they both hurt right like in speed skating you have your lactic acid the thigh burn the um puke and rallies because you're putting out those efforts right and then in football you have the necessity of football you're wearing pads you're wearing you know, um, a helmet all the time, your, you know, your hands are hurting, your body's hurting, your collision, it's a collision sport. So I can't, I can't compare it. Find someone that did both and maybe they'd have a better option to tell you. I don't know about you, Podcast Matt, but the idea of a broken skate blade stuck in somebody's face, 
a little unnerving to me, not going to lie. Yeah, that doesn't sound great at all. Yeah, I mean, of, of of all the painful football injuries we've seen, at least no one's been impaled on anything <laughs> this year. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. But uh, anyway, it's cool to catch up with Karen because those guys in, in the athletic training room are often overlooked or underappreciated. I know a lot of people are like, oh, what's happening with all these injuries? I promise you it's nothing they're, they're doing wrong. It's nothing uh, sinister going on. Some years it is not your year, and with the injury luck the Carolina Panthers have had this season, uh, it, it's amazing that they're able to keep their heads above water down there. But they've, they've done a great job, and the guys, you talk to guys like Austin Corbett who have been in that room, you know, and, and they know that they – go in there not just for the physical care, but they know the people there care about them because it's you develop relationships, as she said, when you're in there dealing with these guys on a day-to-day basis and when you're working with a guy when he is not at his peak. So I am grateful to Karen and Kevin King and Katie Rogers and the whole staff down there for letting us tell those stories a little bit this year. Uh, speaking of stories, your Carolina Panthers head to New Orleans this weekend. What are they going to see there? God only knows. Um, Derek Carr, I almost called him David Carr, Panthers legend David Carr, uh, who once suffered a compression fracture of his back in the New Orleans Superdome against the Saints, and that was one of the most memorable post-game press conferences I've ever seen because David basically admitted he was full of painkillers and didn't know what he was saying to us at the moment. But uh, his brother Derek is the Saints quarterback now and is in the concussion protocol. We'll see what the injury report says about his status. But Chris Tabor was talking uh, yesterday, and he basically said they have to prepare for everybody because he doesn't know if Carr's going to play, doesn't know if Jameis Winston's going to play, doesn't know if he's going to see an even heavier dose of Taysom Hill. So uh, a lot of stuff up in the air for the Carolina Panthers as they head down the stretch this uh, season. Obviously, things have not gone well for the team. We will do our best to keep you updated on the latest with the team as they bring this thing home and head into a a pretty pivotal stretch of the offseason again with yet another coaching search and all the changes that are going to come with that. So until we gather up next week to discuss the New Orleans game, to discuss whatever else might happen between now and then, and you never know, I may I may just spin next week's podcast interview and podcast, Matt. We, you know, it crazier things have happened. We could talk Godzilla movies. We could talk uh, any number of things next week. Tune in then to see what we've got in store for you on the Happy Half Hour.